Hi everyone, Zach here. I am recording this just to let you know that as I'm editing this week's episode at 1047, September 12th, it was just announced that J.J. Abrams is going to direct episode 9. So, this episode kind of loses a little bit of its oomph in the process. But hey, at least you can hear a bunch of people who are wrong speculate about something that won't come to fruition. So, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely excited about seeing a half-built second Star Killer base in episode 9. Oh, and by the way, in the coming weeks, I will be eating my Darth Vader sock. You might not get that reference now, but by the time you're done with that episode, you will definitely get it. All right, folks, enjoy. The Empire has been repulsed, but this one defeat will increase its determination to crush the rebellion once and for all. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Tonight, we're talking the relieving of Colin Trevorrow of Episode 9. Check out our sponsor, SkywardFunSupply.com, from Funko Pops, the three and three quarter inch figures, and all the way, the six inch black series figures. SkywardFunSupply.com, your home for all your Star Wars toy needs. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I'm joined by Mark. Hello. Zenger. <laughs> Nerd. And... Oh, man. And Eric. Hey, guys. Join us as we discuss these topics. All right. I, I think after that lightsaber sound, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. You know, let's make this the shortest episode of the show. Good night, folks. Uh, <laughs> but no, t- tonight's topic is we are talking about Colin Trevorrow no longer being the episode nine director, which proves that wishful thinking can actually come to fruition because as most people know who listen to this, I have been hoping for this ever since he was announced the director of episode nine. So in all honesty, I'm as happy as could be, but that doesn't make for an interesting debate. So guys, what do you think about Colin Trevorrow no longer being the episode nine director? Um, you know, I, I feel bad for the guy. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, this is the studio movie and, you know, it all comes back to clashing visions between the director and um, the, uh, the studio. In this case, you know, Kathleen Kennedy in, in Lucasfilm. Um, I have, I mean, how this went down, I don't know. I, we don't, I haven't read anything yet that says, you know, that he got fired or that he you probably resigned. Will, you probably won't hear anything because Disney will throw that under the rug. But, I mean, I, mean, for, I, I don't know. I mean, we heard about what happened with... with you know, Lord Chris and Lord. Uh, you know, we 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 got details. I mean, we didn't get it right away in the in the, in the first, uh, you know, uh, in the first um, article about it. But um, eventually, it came out. You know, the detail came out that they were essentially fired. Um, I haven't heard something s- strong well, I, like I, that yet. Well, to be fair with Florida Mill, it's like they were making the movie. They kind of had to say something. Like, I mean, they were already filming. Right. Yeah, yeah, it is a different situation too with uh, Lord and Mills. I mean, they they already they technically were, yeah, what were they, like three fourths of the way in or whatever. Yeah, yep. they're they're like three fourths of the way in or some stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. At, at least this time around, um, at least this time around, they, you know, they were able to, you know, part ways with uh, Trevorrow, and um, is it, is it Trevorrow or Trevorrow? It doesn't you, matter. All right, tomato, tomato. Doesn't anyways, matter at this point. Right. So, I just yeah, think him I, as, a, as a hack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, Trevor, I think he's okay. Uh, you know, I think he's serviceable. Uh, you know, he, he'll do the job well. Uh, maybe it's just that maybe the, uh, you know, the um, 
Star Wars may just not be the fit for him, but um, maybe a different franchise or whatever. But um, but uh, at least like, like like I was saying, at least they pulled uh, he parted ways with Lucasfilm before you know act- any actual filming took place. So you know they didn't you know they they weren't in the situation like they are with uh, the Han Solo film where they have to salvage what they have and see and then you know re- record new stuff. You know that you know for the entire movie. Um, you know, or like with Rogue One, that that's the only, that's the one big difference between what ha- what happened now and what happened with you know, uh, the solo movie. I at this point, I'm dying to see. Like, imagine like thirty, forty years from now, all the fantastic like making of books and like documentaries we're gonna get about this time period in Star Wars. It's kind of like it's gonna be like all those like weird things we're getting now, whether it be like um. Superman lives the oh. death, or yeah the 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 Schnepp film or the um, Doom the Roger Corman Fantastic Four I feel like 30 40 mm. years from now we're going to be in a golden age of behind the scenes documentaries with yeah, or all, the one all on uh, or the one on the original Dune Yep Yep that that's oh yeah Jordorowski's Dune oh like I said I really feel it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be it's going to be more interesting looking back at how all these things happened like again even like the Force Awakens, how I keep saying it, there were problems during the making of the Force Awakens that we're never going to hear about, just because, like Eric was saying, it's going to be buried so far under the surface of everything. Especially considering how hunky dory they promoted that film, like, oh uh, wow, geez, we're making a two hundred and fifty million dollar movie, and it's like going to summer camp. Oh, I'm waiting for my Spider-Man Four documentary. <gasps> oh, man. yeah. Now that'd be a fun one. Isn't it just basically Sam Raimi pulling his hair out when they wouldn't let him have the Voltress? Isn't it just like an hour and a half of that? I thought he put that in there to spite Sony or whatever. I think it, I think Sam Raimi gave up after Spider-Man 2. He's like, you know what? I made the best movie I could have, this material. I'm never going to top it. They're not going to let me do anything I want anyway. So let me go completely just bonkers with it. Man, but 4's opening scene was going to have all like the D-list villains. I still want Bruce Campbell Mysterio. Yeah, they were gonna. Ha- they basically said, uh, "Let's have all the villains that can't hold their own movie in this in this one scene to you know pay a bit of fan service and then get them out of the way." That's that's clever. But I yeah. but again, I've heard so many things about uh, Spider Man Four that they were I really have don't in, believe. Like the, in the in the stupid onesie with like the horn. You know, the sad <laughs> thing is, I remember back when I heard like heard they were doing the Rhino for the Amazing Spider Man Two. And, like, there's no way they're going to make anything worse than the onesie. And then when I saw the mech suit, I'm like, oh apparently, apparently they make something worse than the, than the onesie. Zenger, what do you think about Trevorrow getting getting the axe? Oh, sorry, I'm pouring my tall glass of, um, that's none of my business. <laughs> but, I, I, no, um, I, I just... Nothing's been filmed yet. Him getting fired this early on is maybe, I don't know. It's just, it's so early that that's why I'm like, that's, it's just, it's kind of like nothing was, I don't think he did anything aside from going, I am the director. And that's it. Like, no, if he had I, done anything. Did he like tweet the script like a few times? Yeah. Yeah. He worked on the script a bit. Yeah. They hired a new. They hired a new screenwriter. Show, showed us that sweet, sweet leather uh, cover. Yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, that's what I think about. Like, I don't know, Zanger. I don't think it's as simple as he was just essentially a guy wearing a, a director cap. 
Because with these Star Wars films, I would imagine they've probably planned out, uh, at the very least, they've outlined the entire film. They might be still working on the dialogue, but I imagine the narrative... Yeah, they have to have the whole trilogy planned out. They oh, have, yeah. That's, and they're probably... Because think about it. Are we special, sure about that, by the way? I think... I, I thought someone sure. said once I, that, I they, think, that they I didn't plan it, out. I think it makes sense. Like, I mean... Uh, even, even Lucas back then, wasn't he thinking, like, at least, like, a little long-term? Yeah, he had, like, but nine like in his, He had, like, nine in his head back in, like, 80-whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but I thought it was just, like, vague outlines. Like, well, yeah, it's like but, a story web instead of, like, actual, like... Yeah, but I think that was, that's the point. You have, like, a, you have, like, a rough outline, and then you, and then you let the director do what they want to do in, in those things. Like, you know, you just... You don't you don't have that many uh, studio notes. You just say kind of like what this what the what the story is, what they're leading up to, and then you, they could go to town. Hmm. I think I think there's also the thing of is that Lucasfilm and you also again everybody again Eric you see this too online. Everybody's convinced themselves that Disney, the corporate structure, is, has divorced itself from Lucasfilm. And that's not the case. Kathleen Kennedy does have bosses she has to report to. Yeah, same thing with Marvel. And, and that's what it is, though. And even though I, I think Kevin Feige has, has earned his autonomy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kathleen Kennedy has yeah, not. I mean, like, they, they earned their autonomy after Iron Man 2 when Disney screwed with them too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's the stuff you hear the stories about. Like, after Iron Man 2 was on, um, like, apparently I heard stories that John Favreau was convinced it was going to destroy his career. I, yeah. I read stories, yeah, that he was just convinced. Yeah, I'd love to see a documentary on that too. I bet the original script was pretty good. And that's and that's what it comes down you to, know, though. A lot of this, is that, and you know, if we were going to have like Donald Blake in that movie in like the second act or whatever, that movie could have been even worse. Oh, really? I never even heard that. Yeah, that we're going to have Donald Blake uh, Thor. I remember when that movie came out, everyone was convinced that in the um, Monaco like prison scene. That was Chris Hemsworth in the background getting a mugshot taken. I remember everybody was convinced of that. Um, that's top. Yes, uh, but no. I'm just trying going back. To, but going back to um, Kathleen Kennedy, it's just. I think Lucasfilm is having growing pains. The problem is that not the problem though is that Bad Robot had pretty much was the I don't want to say sole producer on the Force Awakens, but they really had the lion's share of duties. And so, okay, then you have Rogue One. And again, not get into the Rogue One drama, but again, Gareth Edwards was removed from the film during post-production. Like, did they tar and feather him like they did Lord Miller? No, but the only reason why they didn't do that was because he willingly went along with them and said, and they told him, okay, you're it, not making any more with, decisions, but we won't throw you under the bus. Didn't they have some, like, clause with Abrams? It's like they said you could you could uh, cut the movie however you want or whatever, and Bob Iger talked about it. I would believe that because considering how badly they won, JJ. Bob Iger was on some TED Talks or whatever, and he said that, I think. I believe. I, I would because I will, The thing about JJ, though, is that out of all the directors they've hired, um, he probably ha- he easily has the most clout. And because that they. Third thread. Well, not. Yes, that goes with it, though. But he actually does have he, 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 yeah, corporate he clout. He every TV show under the sun. Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah, he does know Kathleen Kennedy. He's he's in the Spielberg club, and yeah, that's and that, same same thing with Trevorrow too. That's the thing. Yeah, it's like 
Yeah, he was in the Spielberg Club too. He, uh, Kathleen Kennedy's husband, Frank Marshall, Jurassic mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, and everything. Oh yeah, and that's and and uh, I, I'm convinced. I was convinced that he would. I, I was always as much as I had hoped Trevor would get fired. I was. Ho- I always was convinced. Like, there's no way he's in the club. He made Jurassic World, which I absolutely despise because it's mm-hmm. a blatant ripoff. Love of it's, it's guilty. I here's the thing. I love all the Jurassic Park movies. I don't care. I just. You just like dinosaurs? Something, yes, something about those movies. And again, speaking with like uh, the studio screwing with you, uh, Jurassic World got dumbed down because they had like the screenwriters from the uh, was it uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes at mm. first, and then Universal dumbed it down. Well, of course, I, I you gotta I, do that. But I said that's what just frustrates me though. This whole thing though, so I think Lucasfilm is going through growing pains. The thing that I kind of like deep down, like I hope it's not, but I think it kind of is. I think Lucasfilm just listened to the internet, and I kind of don't like them doing that. Uh, I, 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 I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't. I mean, I, if, we, if that was the case, then we probably wouldn't be having the the Han Solo spinoff. I know a lot of fans. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. No, nobody wanted that. But uh, or again with uh, Han Solo, the thing. Uh, I always would say on Twitter and everything, the only reason why that movie could be any good is Lord and Miller, and then they're gone. Uh, yeah. yeah because I, I, the thing is, with Lord and Miller, it's like, they can make stupid ideas, like, very good. Like, rebooting, like, Jump Street, or making a movie about Lego. Genius. You know? Yeah, and it's like, they even reference how stupid the ideas are, so that's why I thought it could have worked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Though, that's, but that's Star not, Wars can't be meta. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't but, but, work. No, well Star, well, Star Wars can be meta, but not meta in the sense of you can't be um, Deadpool. No, yeah. you can't be Deadpool. But think about Star Wars can be like that's what people don't realize the sheer brilliance of Rogue One. Like I said, <laughs> I'm one day going to write an essay called that the sheer brilliance of Rogue One. Rogue One is the most parentheses Weisinger was right. You said it was the you said Rogue One was a brilliant film. No, I said it was better than Episode Two. The thing, the thing with the thing with Rogue One is, it's kind of. We like, can start this fight again. No, 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 let's not go there. Anyway. Rogue One's kind of like uh, uh, at the beginning, but at the end, it's like some of the best Star Wars that's ever Star Wars. No, but the thing about Rogue One, I think, is the brilliance of it is that it's a meta film in that it gives the audience exactly what it wants and that it's so explicit in its purpose. Like the whole third act of Rogue One is pure fan service, which in a way fan service is being meta. It's it's not breaking the fourth wall, but it's giving it's so specific in what the audience wants. It's handing it to you on a silver platter. You get to see the rebel fleet lineup outside the plant and you have the whole Darth Vader nonsense. And, and that's what I mean, though. And that's where Star Wars can be very spot on. That's where I always was afraid no, about the Han Solo film. So it's not always good to appease the fans because then, uh, you know, it's like, then you can't, you, some, sometimes people don't know what they want. Well, that's, that, that's, that's a good point you bring up, Eric. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, have any of you watched Twin Peaks The Return? No. Sanger? Nope. No, I didn't. No. But I, I hear mixed. I heard mixed things about it because well, people, people, the, the ending they got wasn't the ending they wanted. Well, that's why. Okay, this is okay. Uh, spoiler alert for Twin Peaks: The Return. If you don't like, I mean, if you don't, don't want to hear the ending of Twin Peaks, look in the show description to jump to the time code. Because I'm going to spoil it by giving an analogy as to why that works and why what Twin Peaks did in rebooting their series, so to speak, would work. 
not for Star Wars, but just how to do a new series. Twin Peaks ends for you guys know who Laura Palmer is. You under you have a, a, a very broad concept of what Twin Peaks is, or am I just no? Nah, uh, yeah, I, I kind of get it. All right, just real quick. Twin Peaks is all about the death of Laura Palmer. Kyle MacLachlan, Dale Cooper get sent to Twin Peaks to solve the murder of Laura Palmer. Over the course of the show, it's implicitly stated that Dale Cooper wants to save Laura Palmer. Yet he's never given the chance because clearly she's dead. By the end of Twin Peaks, The Return, the last episode, Dale Cooper is able to save Laura Palmer. He saves her. But in the process, he sacrifices one reality for another. But And that's what it comes down to. And I think that's how you would sit there be able to do something. And that's why a lot of the fan base really – I was hysterical reading the hashtag on Twitter for Twin Peaks finale because it was 95% of people just grinding their teeth saying, I want my happy ending. And that's, that's – you're correct, Eric. you got to sit there sometimes, give the fans something that they're yep. not exactly going to like in the yeah, short but I, run. I heard all, this, I heard all the uh, cinephiles love the ending. Oh, it's great. It's a great ending because it leaves the door open for something new, which is exactly what you'd want from a David Lynch project. So, yeah, uh, yeah, but no, that's like I said, I, I don't know. Like, which I, I, I that's okay, this is this is going to segue into my next point, though. Funny how that, Lucas used to be a huge maverick. Well, I don't know. Well, the problem, like I, I've read the stories behind. I'm going to change the way films are made. <laughs> well, you know, like okay, the problem with Return, it's like Lucas's least favorite Star Wars film is The Empire Strikes Back. And that's because he had the least control over it out of the six films. And I think that says it all. And that's why, again, like he hired Irving Kirshner and he was not good, like Irving Kirshner was his mentor. He he was not gonna push around his mentors. He basically let he basically got Irving Kirshner all the money he needed. And so yep. when it came to doing Return of the Jedi, it basically was okay. It's the everyone keeps looking at Kevin Feige as this model of, oh, like the executive producer showrunner, where yeah, Kevin Feige's perfected that that business model but that's what basically lucas did when he hired richard marquand was that he told marquand okay you get to be the director though but basically all creative decisions come from me and have to get my stamp of approval or else they're out and richard marquand said well, I mean, sure. there, was, there was big producers before then what about like the soul kinds on superman oh yeah oh don't get me wrong oh yeah there are the um there, there are instances of that though you know that i'm really... surprised richard donner wasn't thrown around for uh return of the jedi well, I think it's because like, that's. The, but this is going back to the issue we're having right now with who's who are they going to get for episode nine? Is that a lot of these directors? Like, think about it. if you get hired to direct a Star Wars honestly, movie, honestly, you do want to you do want to put your own input on it. You do want to yeah. give some of your ideas. You just don't want to be a corporate stooge. Instead of doing a wish list, are we were we going to do one on here anyway? Yeah, you are can we, do yeah, a wish no, list. No, I, I wanted to do who who do we not want to direct. I thought that would be more fun. I'm going to go first, and oh, I'm going to go with M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, well, I mean... Uh, I, you said anyone. He wouldn't be the worst, but I, I mean, like... I I mean, like, the... You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, everyone... Oh, you know, my, everyone's going to front, oh, I don't want Michael Bay to direct. Oh, I don't want... Uh, no, Michael definitely not Michael Bay. What, what's his <laughs> He'll make money. If it's Michael Bay, it'll make a ton well, of money oh, for no want reason. Why so to direct? But I mean, like actual, like you know, like real ones for face value take like a hard stance against it. But M Night, I don't think he'd be the worst. He's kind of came back. Eh. One movie does not make a return to grace. No, uh, what was it? The the visit. I like the visit. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, can I go? Go ahead, Eric. Christopher Nolan. Shot. Don't want him. Oh no! Oh God, no! No. He, it'd be the driest science fiction ever, and he already did a, the driest science fiction ever, Interstellar. Don't you dare say a bad thing about Interstellar. Nah, Interstellar nah. is perfect. Nah. <laughs> Interstellar nah. is, per- is perfect. It's, it's exactly what it needs. It's arguably Nolan's most emotional film, and it works pretty well at that. No, the Martian for Nolan. is better. All right. Mark, who, who do you not want for episode nine? Uh, this is a hard one. I don't want. I mean, I'm not sure how serious this one is gonna be, but I don't want uh, Wes Anderson. Oh, that's fine. That's never gonna happen in a million years. So I'm fine no, with that. no. Um, I, I just can't think of anyone really. I mean, I, I you, you know, I, I, uh, I, I disagree on the Nolan one. Um, he, I, uh, what? He wouldn't be a good fit for Star Wars. Star Wars is like crazy, and Nolan likes to do like kind of like you know real realistic movies. Like re- even like when he does movies about dreaming or whatever, it's it still has like a pretty clear set of rules, and it's not anything like too bonkers. Right, right. I think that, um, I think that'd be great. You have a Christopher Nolan Star Wars film where every five minutes the plot stops for an exposition rollout. And yeah, it's like, in some pretentious uh, quote or whatever. <laughs> I have no problem with Nolan. Like, no, I don't Nolan... hate him either. I, I don't. I don't know. Some some things get like too uh, overinflated, though. I said Nolan. Really? Nolan would I be interesting, but he never do it though. Movies this year, because and I like Dunkirk because it was like an old school blockbuster. Yeah, I guess I. I, I don't know. I, you know Nolan... what I mean? Back 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 in the days, like Jaws or whatever. Yeah, but no one's like that's the thing about it. No one would never ever. I, I know, like for I know that they're, the the broccolis are courting him hard for the next James Bond film, and oh, I think he so. they already <laughs> Nolanized James Bond anyway since Casino Royale. Yeah, but at the same time, no one if he ever worked for, on. I think it's time for Bond to become a little more like. I don't want to. I don't want to say like Marvel, but it's you want Pierce Brosnan? For, you want Pierce no, Brosnan back? No, I think it's time for a more, uh, you know, a more funnier, stylisher Bond. But that, but that is that's '90s Bond though. The campy, the the no. the. Yeah, it's called Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. he's got a point. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, but, yeah, yeah, but it's it's not the same because the even though that I think I think uh, honestly you could make better James Bond movie without James Bond even in the name. I think people like. Hold that name to like a too high of an esteem sometimes. All right, I, I got a pitch for you. All right, so I'll how about you do the entire movie where it is Bond, but you never know who the who really is going to end up being like the actual Bond person. Like you have all these people who are the, the trials of Bond. Sort of to where like everyone like you know one of the people orders a martini and then it's a different person you know holds a gun or does something a certain way that Bond will, and then the very end, it's someone you wouldn't expect is actually the person who Bond is. Because every, every time they go to say their name, they get interrupted, so you never <laughs> knew you know, which one it is, is is the actual Bond you're supposed to be you know, rooting for the whole time. Yeah, I'll throw, an idea. I'll throw out another person who I don't want to direct, Brian Singer. Yeah, he's got uh, too much baggage. 
He's got too much baggage nah, to do he, a star. Nah, he's he he he'd be better with Trek. He's even pitched like a whole Star Trek show that sounded pretty good. Uh, again, I think he had like the same problem with Nolan. He he likes to like keep things watered down a bit. Even like look at X Men. Uh, it's like it could you know it could have been more crazy in comic book. Even though that. I think X-Men 2, the reason why it works is because the script was above average. If it wasn't for that script, I don't think it would have been all that great. I do not want J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I don't either. I think that ship sailed. Oh, um, yeah. No. I'm okay with with uh, not having J.J. Abrams. Um, I'm totally fine with that. Well, not that I don't think he's a bad director, but he's, it's just... You know, we want we want different flavors. Uh, in the, you know, for, yeah, uh, I'd like to see him do an original project. Everybody keeps talking about who they want. Like, I know, Mark, you were tweeting out a oh, poll God, yesterday. All them, all them lists, I can't. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go, poll. Well, I'm going to go through the list, and the problem is that you have all these people out there. That it's like again, you guys know it's Brad Bird, Ava DuVernay, Patty Jenkins, and you have the list. And it's like you look at that list, and it's like, yeah, that's great. That's a great wish list, though. But a each one of those filmmakers is currently busy with something. Yeah, and then John Favreau, even though I think if like he probably would get it, he he's the safest choice in the world. But he has he's working on the Lion King right well, now. Well, it's, it's CG. Maybe he could squeeze it in. No, no way. He's there's no way that thing that Lion King movie is gonna easily gross one and a half billion dollars. There's no way Disney's having him walk away yeah. from that. Yeah, but that's like, the pro- I was having yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I do agree, but like he would be a pretty safe choice, and you know oh, he's yeah. going to direct one of these movies eventually. Oh, definitely, and that's but that's what it comes down to, though. Like, and I know there there was some debating going on about oh, Lucasfilm should hire a female director, and obviously the, the first choice is Patty Jenkins, and there is no way that Warner Brothers is going to let Disney yeah. scoop her away. Like, I imagine if Patty Jenkins called up Kevin Sugiaro, the CEO of of Warner Brothers. And said, "Okay, I'm taking a meeting. I want to check, and I want as many zeros as you can possibly think of to stop me from getting in my <laughs> Jeff car." Jeff Johns locks the door. Well, yeah, <laughs> basically, and and that's what it would be. And it's like there's no way Patty Jenkins is, is being lured away from that. Never mind, she had a bad experience with Disney anyway, with the whole Florida Dark World oh, nonsense. Yeah. And and that's what that's what these people have to realize is that Hollywood is a very small incestuous town, yeah. and that there is drama. There's only, a, there's only a handful of major studios. Yeah, and and that's what and can this real quick, and then I'll shut up. Is that that's why you look at all the directors and you look at you have this broad broad canvas and it has all these names on it. Then you look at the ones that have current projects, which means they could not be working on episode nine. Like Ava DuVernay could well, I mean, not because she she has a wrinkle in time. It's it's Star Wars. Like I mean, I think people would like kind of move their priorities if Star Wars, well, if, like if they aren't too far on it. Like I mean, Wonder Woman two is 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 important because that did make a lot of money and yeah. Well, that's but that's the thing about those. It's not just simply moving things around based on want. Like again, like going back to Ava DuVernay. Like I bet, like I imagine it, Disney's probably would call her up and say, "Do you want to do it?" And she'd probably say yes, depending on how much creative freedom I, that they give her. But the problem is that she has a wrinkle in time that comes out in March, and she's yeah. going to be promoting that through February, March, and April. So there's no way principal photography can start in February if she's promoting her film for three months in that time span. So you have to cross her, not because anybody's trying to be deliberately exclusionary to her. It's just not feasible time wise. Yeah. 
the best the best like director choices came from like people on like Twitter and whatever, not any of these like websites who all pick the same things. Well, yeah, and that's what. But the problem too is you have to look at the list as well and say there's yeah. no way Lucasfilm's gonna hire another Josh Trank, Colin Trevorrow, or Lord Miller. Yeah, I they're, think they're, you need they're never gonna do that again. I think I think they're gonna get a little more experienced guy. But then who do you who do you hire that has experience? Gore, Verbins- Gore Verbinski. Oh, but, he, but he soured his relationship with Disney with the Lone Ranger. But, he, uh, oh, I, I love that movie. Oh, so do I. Oh, I think oh. I saw that twice in theaters, and I, I eat my heart out every single time I think about the, the Disney rides we could have gotten out of it. Yeah, but, it's, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's, it's too bad that they spent all that money on a bomb because that movie looks beautiful. Oh, yeah. But the problem is that he spent $250 million on a cowboy movie, so he's never, ever being allowed near the Disney fold again. Please. Oh no, you're wrong. I love it, but there's no way. But that's oh. what I mean, though. But like, but like, like, like you said, Eric. Think of that caveat where you have it. They want an experienced filmmaker, but what experienced filmmaker also allows them? What experienced filmmaker doesn't already have years of projects lined up? Yeah, yeah. So it's like. Uh Matthew Matthew Vaughn. Well, Matthew Vaughn, the issue, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here, but there is a, a method to my madness, though. But Matthew Vaughn was already involved with the Force Awakens. Yeah, I know, I and know. And he wanted too much credit. Well, I, there's also the thing worth noting, too, is that, you, again, going back to J.J. Abrams and the thing with Ryan Johnson, is that you look at, though, you notice J.J. Abrams, ever since directing The Force Awakens, has not decided what he's doing next. And he has not signed on to direct anything. J.J. directed the third highest grossing film of all time, yet he is not signed on to direct anything. Isn't yeah. that interesting that he's kind of, for a guy who has his hands in a little bit of everything in Hollywood, that he's deliberately remaining on the sidelines? That's just a little too coincidental, if you ask me, considering all the nonsense that's going on in the, in the Star Wars universe right now. But isn't yeah. he like a executive producer of like many projects and like you know? Yeah, like I kinda... said, he, he yeah, produces like every TV show under the sun. Just be glad he didn't get his friend Lindelof involved in, involved in Star Wars. Oh no! Oh god! That's but the, no. that's that's the day Star Wars dies is when Damon Lindelof comes in. Oh no! Or, fuck that. Oh, but, but like, but no, but like, I'm convinced it's gonna be J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson. No. And I think if, Oh yeah, it's gonna be one of the because you know why they Luke. But you have to look at it this way: what are the only two filmmakers that Luke current Lucasfilm regime has a positive relationship with? What it's about Ryan Johnson? Johnson. It's Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. They're the only two filmmakers that have brought both in on time and probably on budget or under budget, and what that's what's gonna be. What about Joe Johnston? He's like a founding member of Lucasfilm. Yeah, but the yes, but. I don't know. He doesn't have any. He he comes across as another Ron Howard. He comes across as a as a not the, not nothing against Joe Johnston, but he comes across Captain, as a husband. Captain America: The First Avenger. Oh, so do I. Oh, I love the First Avenger. That's my favorite Marvel Jurassic film. Jurassic Park Three. Oh, why did you bring it up? <laughs> I watched that on loop as a kid on VHS. <laughs> I watched it in denial as a kid on something. <laughs> Betamax or yes? Oh, <laughs> there was no Betamax when that came out on VHS. What was that? Two thousand three. Laser disc. The way I, the way I see it, like Jurassic Park three is like a is like a high budget B movie. Yeah. Yes, you are correct. 
I remember seeing that movie in theaters. But really? Then, yeah, uh, the third one. Yeah, I remember. Um, I did not. I saw the first one in theaters, and then the second one. Uh, I don't remember seeing it all in in. in um, I think I remember seeing like bits and pieces. I, ne- I had never seen it completely, but um, the third one I did see in theaters, and. Um, and from what it looks of it, I remember that the third one they tried to kind of reconnect things back to the first movie, but it was not really like a. It was kind of forgettable. In the way. Laura yeah. Dern, Laura yeah. Rod Dern, yeah. Laura Rod Dern, Laura like Rod Dern. You, you look at that like uh, Spinosaur animatronic. Animatronic. That's like one of the great. That's like one of the most well made animatronics ever, and that was like the same year as Gollum. All right, I've, I've got it. So if you keep on. Going with that frame of Jurassic Park, you're just going to end up with it actually wrapping around, and it's the Dinosaurs TV show. No. Uh, well, the, the, saddest, the saddest ending of all TV. No, I'm just saying, that's if you keep on Jurassic Park, that's actually what it will turn into. Well, my thing about Jurassic World is, and I, it's no secret my contempt for that film, but I think so cool, you look at Jurassic though. World... It's kind of inevitable that, this, that that movie series eventually devolves into a Planet of the Apes type scenario. But oh yeah, it hasn't though. It just keeps on. That, that's that's what that's what like back in like 2013. That's what everyone thought Jurassic World would be. It would be the dinosaurs just running amok around the world. I'd be on and board with that. They uh, yeah, of, I, I, they I, kind I'd of already that. teased that in Lost World when they had the T Rex in San Francisco. Oh man, true. I have no idea what Jurassic World Two is going to be. You know what? In all honesty, I don't care. Uh, I I I I think they're going to uh, fix some of the problems. I don't know. All I know is Blue the Velociraptor is coming back, and no, that's all but, that matters. But but uh, with Gold Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yes. I want BD yeah. Wong. Give Give me some more BD Wong. No, BD Wong was too hammy in that last movie, and it's he didn't like, do anything. No, yeah, it was, it was just there. It's like, can you tell? Can you tell me what you put in in, in the uh, in the Adonis Rex? No, I can't. Sorry, <laughs> no, I can't because I got to be vague and villainous. I think we should clone Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Oh man, he forgot <laughs> how to act in that movie. You know, at one point you can actually see like chew marks on the scenery. Like if you look at the set, you can actually see like like teeth marks, and they're his. He's actually chewing the scenery in some of the outtakes. <laughs> if you watch the Blu-ray. <laughs> But no, so getting, yeah, back, and, getting and, back to Star Wars. Sorry, that was too good. It took a minute for it to settle in. All right, thank you. Um, yeah. Zanger, do you have any force? Okay, do you have any force detours for us, Zanger? We need a detour. I actually, okay, I've got a three parter, so I'll insert part one, part two, and then end with part three because it's a continuing story. Because if you've seen other stuff, that's how they do it. So I guess it's going to open, and I'm going to try to do my Emperor impression, but I'm just. Just assume it's Seth MacFarlane doing this, because right. in my opinion, if it's ever a joking emperor, it's that. So it kind of opens on him, you know, walking through the halls, and he's having a great day. He, he gets to a meeting room, sits sits down, and, and you know, I guess one of the officers is in there, and he goes, looks at him and goes, so Emperor, why are you having such a good day? Oh, I outlawed the Gungans. And he goes, outlawed them, sir? And he goes, yep, they're illegal to exist. And then the officer looks horrified, and he goes, and then it goes back to Palpatine. He's like, so what do you got for me today? And it's some guy pitching, you know, new ideas for the Empire. So he's sitting there and he's like, he's like, all right, well, Emperor, I got some ideas for you. So we have these starfighters, you know, these TIE fighters. But what if we have like half Windsor ties and some full <laughs> Windsor ties? 
and some <laughs> bow ties. And then the emperor kind of loses, like, like his smile fades away, and he goes, you're just naming off ties to me. And he's like, uh, 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 well, let me go to the next thing. And scenes at, scene end. No, but don't forget the one Christmas tie you have to have. Oh, yeah. Eric, I want to bring it up with you. Did you see that last Jedi toy? It's um, Kylo Ren's TIE fighter in the background. Oh, it's no. the Death Star. Oh, boy, did I. What? Are you going to hear about that, Zinger? Oh, my God. Hold on. Internet time. <laughs> type, in, type in Revel Kylo Ren TIE fighter. It should come up. No, no, you got you got to type in. Uh, Please be a stock image. You're talking about the Death Star thing, right? Yep, yep. You know, type in the That's Last it. Jedi. You know, Kylo Ren Death. It Star. should come up. It should come up. Yeah, it's there. If he types in, it comes up at least twice. No, three times. Wasn't the more most important part the the Death Star? Yep, the Death Star in the background, and the whole fact that it's at, it's actually on shelves. I saw it um, on Force Friday, no. so it's there. <laughs> And the fact that none of the fan sites are picking oh, up on it. Do we have any Force Friday uh, war stories? Oh, I, I do. That, that's our new episode coming out tomorrow. I, I tell my war uh-huh. story. Oh, but I didn't get to tell mine. Okay, well, 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 we can have a moment for that. Let's let Zenger look at the TIE fighter picture. Then he can I'm tell trying to get a good picture. image of it. You see it? Hmm. This is me being specula- speculative. Zenger is speculative. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm trying to get a good image of the... The Death Star to see if it looks any different or if it's just some stock image that some moron I don't, in the background. I mean, I don't, it, is, it is a stock image. Uh, I don't know that that Death Star looks a lot more detailed than anything else uh, I've seen. Uh huh. No, I'm cool. thinking. I'm thinking it's. I'm thinking they're doing. I don't know if they're building. I have a theory. I told Mark my theory, but um, I, I do no, think we are. Is the Death Star? Mm, no, my theory is. We, in this movie, we're going to see t- Kylo Ren pilot uh, a TIE fighter. Oh, so going to say pilot Death Star? That would have been, <laughs> well, that'd be cool. Awesome. No, I, I can get on board with that. Um, but no. Hey, yeah, I, I, I was like, let me finish my theory. Uh, but no, what it is going to be, though, is that Kylo Ren's obviously obsessed with Darth Vader and his hatred for Luke Skywalker. I would imagine Kylo Ren knows about how Luke Skywalker was able to single-handedly destroy the Death Star. So I'm thinking there might be some sort of simulator on the... I don't know, one of Snoke's 14 million Star Destroyers. And I'm thinking we're going to see some sort of weird, like, quasi... Not revisionist, because it's going to be a simulator. But it's going to be something we're going to see Kylo Ren trying to do the trench run in his TIE fighter. And I think that's what it's going to be. Because if you look at the image, it just... it, it, it just look Because you look at the TIE fighters in the background are original trilogy TIE fighters. They're not first no, order TIE so it's, it's a really jarring short, but you take... When yeah. you take a look at it. It's a weird like I said, Eric said, it's a weird image though. But the fact that they actually do I don't think it's a stock image. If you look at the other Revel sets, they're all from different planets in The Last Jedi. One's one's Octo, another one's Crate. Yeah, they so, are original. Yeah, so I don't think this is not an error. This is not a goof. I think we are going to see the Death Star. Not in that they're actually building another Death Star. No, but they can't but, they, they can't. I wouldn't be surprised if Episode Nine actually involves another planet destroying weapon. Would not no. put it past them. Would not put it past them. No, uh, well, Snoke. Star Wars put no, out he, an article about. Speaking this. of super weapons, wasn't wasn't the original like rumors that like it was like the Resistance also had a super weapon and it was kind of like a space Cold War? Yeah, because there was there was a rumor. And I've that never been, been able- cool. I want that. 
Well, the whole story was during the following was that the, the the resistance had like the war hammer or something like yeah, that. Sledgehammer. Yeah, sledgehammer. Yeah, and it was able to like pierce like planetary shields. But something happened. Like the 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 first order destroys it and takes out most of the resistance fleet. I think that was a subterfuge. Can I can I, I see that movie? No, that, no. that movie's too interesting. No, it doesn't. It doesn't involve another trench run on the Death Star, so we can't have very it. Very true. Very true. If it's not hey, derivative, uh, it can't be in Star Wars. Hey, Zach. Yes. Um, on the article that uh, Making Star Wars put out about this, you know, the, this, oh, they this, put a story uh, out. Yeah, they did. Um, they also put, they, they put some updates on that article. Apparently, uh, Pottery Barn has a betting set oh. and uh, Last Jedi betting set, and it has the uh, you know, the uh, Death Star on there. Um, I mean, I see it on there uh, on the page from uh, the the Making Star Wars article. I can't seem to find it on the actual Pottery Barn site. You had but, me at uh, children's bed sheets. <laughs> you, had these, these you had movies. me at hello. Why do these Disney <laughs> Lucas people love the Death Star? I don't think Lucas loved the Death Star this much. Uh, I like. And, I, um, wouldn't it be great that in Star Wars, that's just the thing that we just keep coming back to is planet-destroying weapons. Like, oh. like, for some reason, the saga just can't escape that. Even episode one had some, like, kind of thing. Well, it was really more that trade federation ship. But, I mean, the idea was still there. Let's yeah, go back to blockades. We need more blockades in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the super, super mega Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the new one they just released? Yeah, the oh, Supremacy. I like that. I don't it's like that. going to be gigantic. I, I don't like that though. That you know what that reminds me of? That reminds Batman? me uh No, not Batman, but like it's like what JJ Abrams did with like Star Trek, where it's like, oh, the Enterprise has to go up against a bigger ship. And oh. then you have then you have Into Darkness. And it's not the Enterprise, but it's a bigger version of the Enterprise. It's like, make, wasn't there some sort of short film where it takes like two days to walk across the super star destroyer? I wouldn't be surprised. This yeah. thing is. Hold on, let me see if I can get the specs. Is this a super star, star destroyer the size of Manhattan? Um, hold maybe. On. Oh my gosh, I had a breakdown for this earlier. I'm shocked that they haven't tried to do like some sort of like pseudo helicarrier design for these star destroyers. Why would they? They can work in atmosphere. No, but I mean, just have that sort of design because people are used to it now. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I see what you're doing now. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> you know, I, they they did a sloppy job on this uh, design, this uh, you know, bedding design for Pottery Barn because they've got the Death Star, and then they have the they have the uh, they have the Millennium Falcon, but with the round satellite dish, and then I think. I'm not sure if those are exactly AT-ATs or the new walkers or what are the new walkers called again? The uh, oh, the yeah, broken you know what the Lego knees. set. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about this bedding set here that has the pictures of the, you know, of the like last. There's about okay, it has like the X-wing, like Poe's X-wing. Oh, there. I got it. Well, you got. It? I got the specs for um for this mega class star destroyer. Though I will give the, what is I will give this the supremacy credit. It's something new, Zach. It's something new. It's a it's flying wing. It's, it's 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 a bigger star destroyer. No, but no, it is okay. Okay, let me let me give you a breakdown. Like wings and stuff. Let me give you a breakdown. Right, this a is breakdown. okay. I'm sorry, I'm not doing a conversion. So um, for our European or not U.S. listeners, you're welcome. 
uh, 60 kilometers end-to-end. -end. The finalizer, Kylo Ren Star Destroyer, is only 3 kilometers from end-to-end. -end. Now, hold on. Got another one for you. A Super Star Destroyer is 19 kilometers long. And the diameter of the Death Star is six, 160 kilometers. That means wow. this thing is gigantic. Yeah. But the problem, though, is that how are you going to sit there and do that? Okay, the Super Star Destroyer, we know that's big because we see the, like, okay, like in Empire Strikes Back, we know the size of a Star Destroyer based on the beginning of New Hope. Then Empire, we see the Star Destroyer next to the Super Star Destroyer. And it's like, wow, that thing must be really big. But now we're just, again, it's another bigger r -r 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 version. But at, so least, that's, at least it doesn't look like a Star Destroyer. That's, I think... It that's, just, it looks like a giant, like, I don't know, like, what is it? You know what it looks like? It looks like the ship from Guardians of the Galaxy. It looks like, what, oh, the Dark the Aster? Aster? Yeah, you're yeah. correct on the name. It, it looks just, it looks just like that. You know what I'd like? I it looks like a flying wing. Well, yeah, no, but, like, and that's the what I mean. Thing is, with Star Wars, I'm getting tired of like, oh, look, look at this new Walker. It looks like an AT-AT, just like the knee has but, a like, different joint to it or whatever. But like, you know, what'd be better than better than like doing another bigger rubber ship is that do what they did in during a ton the of tiny ships. Tons no, yeah, no, but like, okay, going back. This is where I'm missing Jim. Back during the Thrawn trilogy, what made Thrawn so intimidating was that you had the you had the the new uh, the new oh my god. New Republic, and the New Republic had all the ships basically requisi uh, requisitioned from the Empire. But Thrawn went and got the Katana fleet, which was like all these like they're not many ships, but there was hundreds of them, like three, four hundred of them, and he was having them all manned by clones. And so he basically had this entire fleet of many ships, and through his like technical tactical mind, he was able to sit there overwhelm the New Republic and all their new ships by taking these older like antiquated battle battleships and was able to outwit them that way like i'd rather have snoke outwit the resistance other than just conquer them with brute strength we've seen that it's called the empire the emperor the empire had brute strength it'd be really interesting to see the first order say oh the empire <laughs> and then, failed and then, and then snoke just shows up with malevolence hey guys oh like <laughs> like from the, the clone wars and malevolence yeah. So that, <laughs> well, that's okay. That at least makes sense because it's like, oh, it's like another plant. Like I don't know, it's it's another super weapon. Like that makes sense though. But the fact that we're getting another larger ship, it's like, and it's like, are you telling me that the first order has more resources than the Empire did? I I just don't believe that. The whole like this is what drives me nuts. No, Snoke like, had more resources than the Empire. Snoke's did. from the unknown regions. You don't know what he got. Yeah, that's true. But at the same no, time, that's, 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 that's Disney, wait, wait, wait. Disney will give. I know. The, the, it, Disney always will have excuses. Like, did you guys? Okay, real quick, we have to get off topic. Did you guys hear about what's the Phasma comic and how they're going to explain how Phasma gets away with destroying Star Killer Base? Did you hear this? Okay. Uh, no. Yeah. I really don't care. Okay, um, I, I did. All right. So, okay, Mark's ready here. So, this is what the, it's really easy to explain. You know how they're explaining it? Phasma, the moment she gets out of the trash compactor, which is basically instantaneously once Han. And Chewie throw her in, she, because like some door melts, and she's able to like just push it open. She goes immediately back to the control panel where she lowered the shields, sees if any first uh, first order officers have accessed it, finds the person, and then tries to kill them for the rest of the series. 
That's the entire plot. She tries to kill the one person that knows about her betrayal. So basically, everything that she did wrong in the fir- the Force Awakens <laughs> is going to be completely nullified by the last. It's going to be not even relevant by the time what? we get to the last Jedi. I kind of like gonna that. Be, is she going to be relevant in the last Jedi? Remember when she was going to be relevant in Force Awakens? She better be. I got some merchandise. Tell of me her, something, you know, Zach. Do you think the Valley Race? Do you think they well, cut anything with Phasma? Like uh, Gwendolyn Christie, she was talking like a mad game, and she had nothing to show for it. Was, uh, she, just happy, was she just happy she was in Star Wars, and they cut some stuff? Uh, I think I I, I really don't know because I know the Force Awakens is one of those films is shrouded in secrecy. You know, uh, I think though it's like it's like she talked like a huge game. Oh yeah. Well, the problem with those, they promised her something, because like I said, Captain Phasma is the dark, is the Frankenstein's monster of the Star Wars universe. It's taking all these components of Star Wars that are cool, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. It's a, it's a chrome stormtrooper with a black cape with a red fringe. It's the coolest thing in the freaking world. Like I have a Captain Phasma figure on my yes, desk right now. Bulb, it's that well, Boba Fett effect. Well, yes. you know the lore behind why her suit was chrome, right? Oh yeah. But tell us again, Zanger. All right. So the supposed lore behind this is that her suit is chrome. So if she is killing somebody, they can see the last thing they're going to see is her with the reflection of themselves dying. Yeah, I think I do remember seeing Which that. Which is B.A. I, I remember like what was it 2008 or whatever when Lego had some like uh, chrome stormtrooper like special mini thing. I still have that somewhere. It's like, hey, I had Phasma before Phasma. That that's what I mean. But like going back to your question, Eric, I do I really do not know. But at the same time, I have I to say, surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either way. But uh, th- you want to know a secret? How do you know Phasma was not going to have that much to do in the Last Jedi? There was absolutely no Phasma mer- merchandise outside of maybe one or two pieces released on Force. Yeah, and they pushed her they hard. They figured with that they everyone already had all their stuff from the previous movie. Yeah, and you, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I gotta respond to that. I gotta respond to that. If that's true, you have General Hux, who is one of the most notorious peg warming figures in the history of Star Wars toys. Yeah, it's yet, like they, the... yet they reissued him for Last Jedi. Oh god. Yeah, what was they reissued him with that with his hair now. Not with a hair. Ooh. Oh yeah, of course. See, there's a difference. Almost as exciting as the Batman begins minifigures with Liam Neeson in a suit. Oh man, I'm all over that figure. All over my <laughs> Raz Al Ghul. <laughs> oh, but no, man. I, I don't. I don't know though. Like I said, that, that's what it comes down to. But um. Yeah, but I guess maybe they, they didn't put any Phasma merch because they knew people would be were disappointed with her like in Force Awakens, so they didn't think anyone would buy it anyway. Yeah, I, my philosophy on Phasma is Phasma's a henchman. She's nothing more than that. Um, I, I appreciate what they're doing yeah. with the new book in the comic, but she she's a henchman. I, it's not really fair to expect anything more than that. Like, like I, I hope they give her something cool to do. I'm not saying like, oh, you, let's take away any moments. But though I think the problem was that uh, Gwendolyn Christie talked it up too much. I think that's the problem. Yeah, they hyped the character up too much. I don't I don't blame her. She she's an actress just trying to promote the film. What I blame is the fact that in the months leading up. To the Force Awakens, that character, along with Kylo Ren, was 
everywhere, not just toys. Well, they I mean, had Kylo, Kylo Ren deservedly, so. Well, Kylo yeah. Ren makes sense, though, but, like, they had Captain... I remember, like, right after The Force Awakens came out, I found, like, a... There's some sort of, like, weird off-brand, like, grape juice bottle, and it had, like, it had the Star Wars, like, promotion on it. Like, oh, oh no, see The Force you, Awakens. You, and and it had Captain Phasma on on the bottle, and I took a picture of it. I'm like, this is what you got disappointment look tastes like because it's a character that does nothing. Freaking 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 Disney! They're always gonna put like their shit on like oranges or water bottles. I'm like, no. <laughs> yep. that's what it comes to. Like, and that's yeah, what Captain Phasma though. But the thing then about you Phasma, see though, it. Then you see it like more. go. To, sorry, I was just gonna say. Then you see it like. You know, merchandise. You know, in the dollar store or like in those uh, se- like those stores like Ross and stuff. Like, I think I remember like a, a few months, like a oh month or two after, after Fourth Friday. Was, of, capitalism, uh, was capitalism a mistake, guys? <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me Captain Phasma was the peak of capitalism. It's all downhill after Captain Phasma. No, no, no like, like I, there's I, th- I, there's this image I have in my head with like. Or, like a crate of oranges with B, like BBA on the sticker or whatever. Oh my god! All right, Zane, I remember you saying that. something. Sorry, I just was reading something and rereading it. It doesn't. I'm still reading about this supremacy oh, chip, and there's a line here that says, um, "The resistance is born out. A tough time mustering up anything they could." to dare to use in an attack against the supremacy, unless the First Order's behemoth also has a singular, potentially catastrophic flaw as well. Oh, uh. no. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope. I hope we get another trench run. I hope every Star Wars movie ends with a trench run. Damn it. No, 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 no I got it. Oh, man, this isn't even part of detours. It's, um, it's forced... Anyways, this isn't even part of forced detours. If you go to the third level in the second break room on the left and you try to order a Coke and you put in your money three times and it doesn't give you it, it starts the detonation sequence. (laughs) I'd rather have that. You know what? Yeah, that's how I take it. But it's guarded by the evil BB-8 unit, so that's where you get the face-off. Oh, Oh, okay. Can we talk about that? That's so silly. You know what we should get? I really hope we get the BB-8 versus no, BB. You, you know who's better They've than... They've already teased it. You know who's better than the dark BB-8? Goldie from Clone Wars. Oh, you mean the new version of um, uh, Chopper? No, from Clone Wars. Remember that one that was saddled with Anakin for a bit, but he was a spy? Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, sorry. I was the first season, yeah. Goldie or sorry. whatever. I was thinking Rebels, because they showed that Chopper has a new paint job, and it's like gold or yellow. Oh. Uh, you know what I think is really funny? Someone should do that. When, they, when we finally get our BB-8 versus evil BB-8 fight, someone should just redub it to Duel the Fates. Like, I think, you know what? I'd pay for that. Take my money, Ryan Johnson. I want to think, have you guys also seen that stupid thing they have on Poe's black X-Wing where he actually has like a, a booster rocket on the back of his X-Wing? <laughs> you hear about that? No. If you if you it was in the new pictures from Empire, the Empire magazine article, Poe's X-Wing actually has a booster rocket on the back of it. I'm not making this up. Uh, internet show me stuff. It's awful. It's absolutely you know the sad thing is that the Why new, are they the, old Legos? So, someone said Lego. Blame Mark. <laughs> I love Lego. Z- Zanger, mm. can we have a force detour? Sure thing. Sing comes back. It's still in the same room. 
the emperor's not looking too pleased. His his perfect day's been ruined <laughs> to begin with. Um, and then this this and then this guy continues to do more pitches of you know other ideas for weapons and stuff. So so he he he's he's getting nervous. So he's like, oh well, what about our star destroyers? You know, you know we. We have star destroyers and everything, so so why don't why don't we go from there? I mean, I know we have the Death Star too, so why don't we stick with that name? And and then the Emperor's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. How do you know about the Death Star? And he goes, uh, Vader's been tweeting about it all day, yeah. <laughs> and it shows his phone with, with with like Vader, like, yo, check me out at the star at the star Starbucks. Sorry, I'm trying to Star Wars Starbucks, but it's hard to do. Um, someone else, better writer, will do that for for me. So it shows him like having a selfie picture right there, and the emperor rolls his eyes, and then he goes, "So why don't we build some star slaughterers or star eliminators?" Or <laughs> and and then the emperor rolls his eyes or star annihilators, and the emperor rolls his eyes, and he goes, "You just basically looked up a thesaurus definition of destroyer, didn't you?" And he's like, "Uh, uh, uh. Well, I got this last one. I think you'll be happy with it." insane all right at the end okay so zenger you said you had a force friday story yes it is very exciting all right i walked the war, the the war stories how yes this, this... You, how many children do you have to fend off <laughs> well i brought one of my children with me for it and she sat in the cart and she was very excited to be there and we walked through target walked to the back there was no one anywhere i grabbed a pork pop figure Walked around, grabbed one of the stuffed porgs, found out they talked, and went nope. And then we went and checked <laughs> oh. out. <laughs> you talked that fun. No, I, 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 dude, I, nobody was like there was like a few people wandering around. That was it. Yeah, I don't think Force Friday is that big as like people say. All and right. then I went to Walmart in in my town, and oh, it was no. even more depressing. I saw a picture. I saw a picture from Force Friday with Wal on with Walmart, and they had some of the figures already clearance for three dollars. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I went there, and it seriously looks like they just brought out something, unboxed it, and then walked away. Yeah, that's what they typically do. But I did buy a lightsaber for for my daughter because she wanted to get a lightsaber. And now she will run up, hand one to me, and she'll take one and do an actual lightsaber fight. I had a terrible experience with the lightsaber once. I I held it, like, the wrong side. Jesus, man. Because, and then, you know those spring loaded one? Yep. Yeah, and where do you where do you think the blade went to? <laughs> it's okay, folks. This is a classy podcast. We're we're really sitting there. Like put a top was, hat and monocle on. You're you're in for you're in for a wild ride. That was awful. <laughs> Sanger, I was thinking when you started the story off with saying I brought my daughter. I was figuring you could say like I use my daughter as a human shield yeah. so they steal all the Luke Skywalker figures. Yeah, she, or, yeah. Colin Trevorrow. Yay or nay? Oh, was it a I good thing? Say or... <laughs> hey, maybe Sinbad can direct the next uh, yeah, Star Wars show. He, he hasn't been doing anything recently. No. I, I think he's homeless. He, he's been not playing a genie in that movie that didn't happen. Thanks, exactly. Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zanger, what are your two recommendations? What about, since there's no issues with the guild anymore, Spielberg? He can't. He's doing. Re- he's gonna be promoting Ready Player One during that yeah, time and, period. And then he's and then he's got to do Indiana Jones. He doesn't that have to do made. that. Who's forcing him? Show I me that person. Okay, I, fine. I can live without that movie. Recommendation number two, then, Lucas. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. 
Uh, that, that was going to be one of my suggestions, actually. I don't think it happened, though, because, again, like... No, uh, he's really... They shoot Lucas off hard. Like, he yeah. he had... I Didn't he have, like, a whole script, like, episode seven or whatever? Something like that. Uh, no, yeah, he, no. he, he, he had outlines or whatever. He had an Disney, outline. Disney, like, shoot him off. I don't know. That'd be yeah, I, I, that'd be fun though. Yeah, I would like it. If anything, like as a, some creative, like a creative consultant role or something like that, you know, some some that gets him involved in like yeah, the maybe story. or maybe maybe write the movie. Right, and well, um, not because Lucas isn't the best writer. Well, not write, but I guess like screw. I don't know, like yeah, story screen, outline, like, story screenplay. No, that's yeah, yeah story. Not not actually write the dialogue out himself. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, like uh, you know, something with the screenplay. But uh, uh, as far as my recommendation, well, that's one. The other one, um, Ryan Johnson. Now it's gonna be Ryan Johnson, or I, I will. I, I we got. I think I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, and we gotta keep in mind that you know the Last Jedi still hasn't been released now. From what we've been seeing, you know, things look good. You know, marketing looks, you know, the, from the marketing, things look fine. But we, the film hasn't landed yet. There's no reviews in, nothing. Um, you know, there's that. There's always that one slight possibility that it's not yeah, well received. Right, it's not well received. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be eating my words here if, like, in a week or two we hear that, you know, we get a we hear that Kathleen Kennedy, you know, says that Ryan Johnson is going to be directing episode nine, which means that they have high confidence that the last Jedi is going to be good. So, well, the problem with like, again, going back to the Hollywood game is that if like you look at things like Guillermo del Toro, I don't think Guillermo del Toro has made a like a overwhelming financially successful film. Maybe ever. And yeah. the thing about, but the, the reason why he's able always to get more oh, oh, whoa, all these whoa, major whoa. what? Are you saying Pacific Rim was not successful? Oh no, it he's got being... beat by it got beat by Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, that movie was successful. I am sorry. I don't care what any numbers or people say. It <laughs> touched I'm, my heart. I love yeah, I love that movie, but it could have done better. Like China kind of saved it. Yes, and the toys. Oh, wait, Pacific yeah. Rim? The, the one with John Boyega, the new one? No, the oh, no that's, one. that's that's part two. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm shocked we got to part two with like how this the other one performed. It looks so it looks like such a cheap knockoff though. Yeah, you could kind of see them kind of kiddifying it or but, whatever. But no, but going back to the, the point first that was wasn't enough. Well we'll get hold on a sec. Well save Pacific Rim right now. So let me finish my, my antidote. The reason why Guillermo del Toro is able to get work, despite the fact that he's never really made a truly like bona fide box office hit, is because he br- he always brings every film that he works on under budget and under time, and that's why. And that's why no. I think. Are it's- you are you sure? Are you sure? Like under time, because del Toro has like a million projects at every moment. Well, yeah, but like I, what I mean is like when he's shooting like a like, film. Rem- like, remember when he was gonna make a uh, a reboot of the Haunted Mansion? Oh, oh, I'm still waiting for that. I'm still, I'm still waiting in line at my local theater the for pre-order for tickets. Madness. Yeah, where's that? Yeah, I know. I'm not doubting whether he has a lot of projects, but like when he's on, like when he's shooting a film, like whether it be Crimson Peak 
or or Hellboy. Oh, that, I was let I was let down by that. I thought it'd be a horror. I thought it'd be a horror movie, but it ended up being like a gothic romance. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like every single time he works on a film, though, he never goes over time. Like it's not like oh, if they slot sixty days for principal photography, yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. over by twenty. And that's he's a professional, and that's why he'll always get work in Hollywood. And as we know, yeah, same, like, the, the same thing with Matthew Vaughn and Robert Rodriguez. Uh, Matthew Vaughn had troubles with first class but he got it done quick he wrote that script in like six weeks and then they had to reshoot half the film though still the best X-Men I'm not arguing that but it's still like again and plus he got in trouble with Fox after Kingsman after he had Obama's head explode like he got in trouble yeah he got in trouble like like, not like major trouble but like they did not want him to do that he kind of like that was an issue that was that was an issue that people. He was kind of like in a weird, subtle like director, like not Josh Trank director jail, but oh, like yeah, he was in a weird like gray area. People like the movie. He shouldn't have been in that much trouble. Oh no, it wasn't like he was in major trouble. But it's one of those things that like people did like as you know the the Hollywood glamorati did not appreciate that. Uh, but but that's what I mean though. But, I, but you look I'm at, pretty sure I bet Mark Millar was fine with that. Oh, I bet he was too. Uh, but no, but that's what I mean though. It's like you look at it though. Like, what's the big joke with Lord Miller? Was the comment was they couldn't fold their socks right? And yeah. Like as much as we keep joking about that, like being like like, like a, a weird sort of analogy, it yeah. does make sense though. In that so there's strange. only well, but it ha- it's correct though. There's only two filmmakers that Lucasfilm has worked with that they actually have. It's worked out like correct. You yeah, have the, JJ the and Ryan. Well, yeah, and that's what it is, though. And as, as Mark probably knows, I think Making Star Wars reported this morning saying that The Last Jedi is in the can ready to be released. It's it's done. The, yeah. the soundtrack's there. Every, it's basically a film. Think about that. Mm-hmm. You caught, Ryan Johnson was able to deliver a film roughly four months ahead of yeah. schedule. Yeah, that's the... Uh, and then, and then, again, but, with, then again, with Hollywood these days, they don't like to sit on movies these days. Look what happened to Pirates. That movie was done for like a year, and they sat on it, and then it like the Pirates got it. You know, when they were um, having that whole issue with Australia, too. Well, yeah, that too. There's, oh, a, lot, yeah. There, there's a lot of issues with that. Even like, that that's that, its own thing, Even though, yeah. I guess Disney's fine with Australia, because then they shot Thor there anyway. Yeah, mm. but no, but think about that. But also look at it under this lens: is that both Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams both have their hands in Episode Nine to a certain degree. Like, let's just say hypothetically, let's pretend that Brad Bird, just for the sake of argument, walks away from The Incredibles too. He'd have to sit there, get completely brought up to the same level. Ryan Johnson and J.J. both know exactly what's going on. Like, Ryan Johnson, if he decided to direct Episode Nine, would not need any catch-up, and he could step directly into this without any sort of hiccups. There's probably nobody in Lucasfilm outside of maybe Kathleen Kennedy and a couple of the producers that understands Episode Nine in its current state better than Ryan Johnson. So you have a competent filmmaker, A, B, a filmmaker that the studio and the executives love, and C, a guy that requires no need or doesn't require any attention to get brought up to speed. It's it's the trifecta. They'd be stupid. And plus, guess what? Even is icing on the cake. The fans love him. It's it's really. And plus, yeah. he has he has that chic art foo foo cred that Hollywood absolutely. Oh loves. yeah yeah oh oh he's in he's in the circle with Nolan and James Mangold. 
Exactly. And, and that's what I mean, though. So, like, you re- like, it makes perfect sense. There's no downside or, to hiring her. Auteur. Yeah, oh, there it is. Okay, I, I like you already, Eric. That's always my thing. Because, because he is the only auteur Lucasfilm has hired. And guess He's what? It's working out for him. Club. And plus, too, like, going back to the Making Star Wars report, if, if Disney and Lucasfilm felt uncertain about The Last Jedi, there's no way they'd be keeping it in the can. They, could, they had three months to improve that film. They'd be, if they felt there was something wrong with it, of course, they'd be doing it right now as we speak. If they feel that confident that they're able to just put it in the can and let it sit on a shelf for a couple of months, obviously, obviously I imagine they're probably doing some slight tweaking here or there, but it's probably very minute stuff at worst. And, and that's what I mean. It's like he is the perfect choice, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Plus, he's not going to demand as much creative control as JJ. Or money. Well, I, I don't think Lucasfilm cares like, about money. No, yeah, but like I think like if you got like Steven Spielberg, I think he'd ask for money. Mm, I, I of course he probably has a set. Well, he wouldn't ask for money. Like well, a lot of these know, production. I feel like he kind of doesn't want to do it. He kind of wouldn't want to do it. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's just the fact that, like, like I was explaining a couple of like weeks ago, was that it's all the production companies. It's like, like yes, they get a salary. Oh yeah, I remember, I remember that. Yeah, they get points. Producers, he has like a weird hat in the ring. Brian Burke, can he direct? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I gotta read up on him a little bit more. Okay. Like I mean, he's he's been there for a while at Lucasfilm. Like he, I guess he'd be up there with Joe Johnston. But he's more he's um you know sound bad editor, robot producer. He's, he's bad robots, so that would be a little comp. And plus, yeah. again, he's he's uh he's a Wait, he'd be I a first time director. I, I thought he was the Foley dude from all those years back. Or am I thinking of someone else? Brian Burke is uh, is a producer. Who am I thinking of? Ben Burt? Yeah. I, I don't like I don't know that that's a guy who I, I don't think has any sort of directing credits to his name. I think he pre- I think he directed one of the documentaries of the prequels. He might have like I would imagine that's in his in his wheelhouse. Yes, yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was the Foley dude. Whatever. Yeah, Ben Burt. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. I know you're talking about. Yeah, uh, but no, Brian Burke is the he he's the, he's the producer behind like all the bad robot films like oh, Mission okay. Impossible. I, I got I got confused between him and Ben. It's all right. Happens to the best of us. Okay. Uh, but no, that's that's what I think though. It's, I, I I said it before and I'll say it again. If Ryan Johnson is not announced director of episode nine banana this month, I will eat my sock. Yeah. All right. You heard that right, mm-hmm. folks. I'm going to eat my Darth Vader sock. You heard it here, folks. Sock. What about Michael Arndt? Has he ever directed or is he only a writer? He's only a writer. Okay. That that's what I mean. Though. Like, there's really nobody. I'm trying to think. Like, even like, like I'd love like, if you really want to do like a blue sky scenario in the sense of like pick anybody you want. Like, I'd love you know it has a zero percent chance of ever happening. I want David Lynch. He was originally no. Being, he was oh god yes. After what after Return of the Jedi again. Everyone keeps saying Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune is the greatest film ever made. That is not correct. David Lynch's Return of the Jedi is the greatest yeah, Super- film ever Superman made. Superman Lives is the greatest. Yes. Nah, yes. Nah. That would have been, been awesome. With the Spider-Man Brainiac. Yes. <laughs> See, that hesitation just means that was going to be absolutely awful. No, but like, just the that. I mean, with Superman. Okay. I mean, okay. I got go one. Is... I got go one. I got go one. John Peters. Oh, is he going to street fight? As long as you're a giant, you know what it is? Snoke's going to ride a giant spider creature. The, the, That's going the, to be the final battle of the film. The, the greatest quote of, like, John Peters is, like, I wanted the feeling of publicly shaming someone or f- 
fighting someone or tasting someone else's blood. I wanted the, that in these movies. That's the weirdest. <laughs> that's that's like when he just goes insane in that interview. It's like I wanted that in these movies. I love. Oh my lord, that's that's the best part of that whole documentary. No, John Peter is interviews. He gets so it gets so weird at the end. He's like, I wanted I wanted the taste of people's blood in these movies. He's an amazing person, John Peters. At this point, there is no great choice for episode nine. There's there's Me. no ideal. Oh, Zagger? Yeah. yeah. No, you know, Zagger, you're making the Force Detours movie. No, no, no. I'll tell them. I'll be like, I will not do this if you let me direct that. I mean, oh, I, got a okay. few more, I got a few more hats in the ring. What about Kenneth Branagh? Nah. Why not? Nah. nah. Yeah. Too, too, he's, he's too all over the place. You know, um, I'm thinking that worst comes to worst, they're going to choose, you know, what, what do they call those type of director that just do everything the studio tells them to? Yes, man. Brad, Brad Ratner. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Brad Ratner. Ratner. Justin Zinger. Justin Zinger. Yes, man. Yes, man. Brad, yeah. Brad Ratner is the ultimate yes, man. He's, yeah, he's, a, so. he's, a, he's a hack fraud. No, and you he's know, a Brad, studio Brad Ratner is one of those ones that will do it under budget and fast. You know who would be a really good choice? Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, I was I was thinking of that too. He, he's in that auteur circle as well. Was yeah. he involved with Rogue One or? No, uh, no, he was on a. His name kind of hovered around that for a while. Yeah, but no. You know who would be good too? Tony Gilroy. Bring Tony right. Gilroy. Oh, you know I would not mind that. What about Dan Gilroy? Nah. Dan Gilroy. He's a producer though. He's not really a. No, didn't a, he do Nightcrawler? That oh, wait. Really? I don't know. I think he did. All right, like, all right, isn't Dan I, Gilroy the Clone Wars produce? Oh wait. No, Dan Gilroy. Oh, well, wait. oh yeah, you're right. You just you just you just give me an idea. Uh, what about Dave Filoni? Yeah. No, yeah, I would. First I would time love filmmaker. That. No, no. But same problems you'd have with a Josh Trank. He'd be a first time, more or less, a first time filmmaker. No, uh, okay. he'd, he'd be too much trouble. People want to give him a chance to do a yeah, Star but don't Wars let, film. If you want to do a Star Wars film, you give him... Like I said, but Lucasfilm does not look, want I, new up-and-coming directors. Instead of Dave Filoni directing, I'd rather have him take Captain Kennedy's spot. As an executive? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, that is... A, I think he has a better vision for Star Wars than Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, but mm. I don't think he has the connections and doesn't understand the broader game at play than But, I mean, he was like her. Lucas's... He was Lucas's protege. Yeah, but he was Lucas's protege, protege. in his creative sense, not in that's a corporate I'm, corporate sense. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I oh, guess you're right. Uh, being producer, you also got to worry about paying the bills and everything. Yeah, but you got to play the Hollywood game. You got to sit there. You got to be able to you know, hustle and jive. Okay, I have, yeah. I have another. I have another wonky one. Dave Filoni's too nice of a guy. Well, I don't think anything to do about nice. It's just the fact of just having that sort of mentality. Yeah. All right. Okay. I have I have one more because I'm about to fall asleep at my keyboard. How about yeah. the, the the Kong Skull Island guy, the guy yeah. who can't take criticism? Jordan Volt Roberts. I'd be Dude, great. I, like, imagine people like start like insulting Star Wars. He gets on Twitter and starts telling people to like f off. Dude, I love I loved Kong. I would I would not be I would be on board for him directing as long as they get Larry Fong to to shoot the movie. I can get behind. You know that. who that is? He was a DP, who? right? Yeah, Larry Fong. He does, he he. If you want your movie to look cool, you get him. Zanger, let's before we wrap this up, give us our last force detour. All right, so goes to the guy back, comes back in, guys in there, tie it all um, together. 
Yes, and he and um, Palpatine is not happy. He he's, he's had his day ruined. He was able to make the Gungans illegal, and also he was able to have his secret base destroy Alderaan. But he hasn't talked about that yet because it's secret. So he's sitting there and everything, and he's like, all right, what else do you got for me? You've taken up too much of my day. What What's the last thing? He goes, uh, uh. Well, stormtroopers, you know, we have we have such different varieties. Well, how about formal troopers? Shows an image of a stormtrooper, but it's like a suit and tie armor. What about um what about sky troopers? And it just shows like stormtroopers in normal outfits, but on hang gliders. And then he's like, What about and then Palpatine goes, Hold on, hold up. You're done. I'm done with this. I'm gonna shock you to death, but I just got a call coming in. What's up? They did what? What do you mean they blew it up? Oh, in in the sense of weather, what would be what would be lower than a storm? A gust? Uh, um, drizzle, drizzle troopers, drizzle troopers. Oh, I should have said rain troopers. It's it's just storm troopers, but they have an umbrella built into their like the back behind their head, so it's got a little umbrella over their head. Or no, even better. Just stormtroopers, you know, with those umbrella hats you can get? That's the only <laughs> They have the raincoat from... They have raincoats. Yes. Yeah, like, like I said, the whole joke of it was just... Uh, and, and by the way, if you have to explain your joke, it's even funnier. Um, it's just that the guy was <laughs> doing a terrible job of pitching it. <laughs> and by, oh, by the guy pitching it, I mean I did a terrible job of it. Got really meta there, everybody. Can't wait to mess you. Okay, I'm, I don't think we can get any any better or worse, depending on what your perspective is. Oh, so, man, have I told you guys about the big Luke, small Luke theory? What? Is he Mario? It's late. No, 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 no. Snoke is big Luke. What does that mean? What? It's, like, different timelines? No, it's the same timeline. There was somebody did an analysis frame by frame Wait, uh, of A New Hope, okay, and they said that due to Mark Hamill's inconsistency oh, in size, that there is two Lukes actually in the movie. I thought it would be a mean-spirited joke about his accident. No, 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 no. Oh. Apparently, it's like some scale that's weak. Like, he has a weird scale to where, like, in one scene he's taller than somebody, but in another scene he's shorter. Yeah. So, of course, as Star Wars fans do, they overanalyze it. So their theory is that Big Luke is actually what? Snoke, Big and Luke that's who Snoke. he had to fight. That's, that's who he worst. had to fight on Dagobah. So wait, there's two Lukes? Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. Wait, I got a big tinfoil hat on right now, everybody. Wait, so then when did, when did the four? When did when did they separate? No, they, they they were kind of there with each other the entire time until apparently the Dagobah scene is where they have a confrontation. Oh. Yes, it makes oh, sense okay. now, doesn't it? This isn't the worst theory. All right, all right. <laughs> no, I looked it up, and it was one of those like I kept reading, and it was like I feel like I'm getting dumber you know, as I keep. It's going. like it's like it's like you know it's, it's one of those interesting ones. It's like I could dig it. It's not like one of those. It's so stupid. I want to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There you go. That's who Snoke is. That's, Big Luke. No comment. Big, that's Big how you make a good, no good theory. Like at least like do something interesting. See, some people appreciate my crazy stuff. There we go. At least there's, at least there's one. I think no. Zenger has a new best friend there. Hey. 
Now, because, uh, you see Ben Affleck, he's playing Deathstroke, and uh, Jeremy Irons is Wintergreen, and Kristen Bale is still Batman. Whoa. Right. Wait, what? No, 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 uh, no. Let's end it on that note. That'll be, really, that'll be a cliffhanger until next week's episode. We'll not, that's going to be our own version of Twin Peaks, The Return. That's going to be our own cliffhanger. We'll never get the ending, too. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at KOV Podcast. Make sure to check out skywardfunsupply.com for all your toy needs. If you like what you hear, or if you don't, please leave us a review on iTunes. I implore everyone listening to this. There are podcasts out there that have just started within the last month that have a dozen reviews. We've been doing this for over six months and have two reviews. And I'm pretty sure at least one of those is a pity review. For questions, comments, concerns, always snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter. At Rogue Knight, K-N-I-T-E. Where can people find you guys? You can find me on Twitter at SWMegaFan. And you can find me, Zinger, on my own podcast, Zing This. And if you would like to um, message me or send me any of your crazy theories, as I have just proven, there is none too crazy for me to talk about on here. Please tweet them at me at, at Zinger8. And that's spelled with a E Z E N G 8. Z E N G R 8. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Too we'll used to doing the zingness thing. We'll get there one day. All right. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> All right. You could uh, find me on Twitter, uh, me Eric at uh, at Age of Myself. Uh, I think the spelling's quite self-explanatory. I suppose. Don't want to be rude, but uh, uh, and then also you could uh, just um, also my other podcast that I'm frequently on, The Mutuals. You could find on Twitter at at the mutuals you could also probably find it on youtube and stuff we we're surprisingly small uh youtube podcast channel but we do get surprisingly good guest stars some reason we're magic (laughs) we're magic like that it's crazy how many good stars we get we got like the director of lego batman we uh the guys talked to billy d williams they talked to uh the dude who played ghost writer on agents of shield yeah everyone you can, you're our in now, Eric. You can get us all that special, special, specialty celebrity market. Yep. Well, first, I'd like to thank Eric for coming on. There's someone who I've been following Eric for years on Twitter. It's nice to finally talk to him. This has been a very uh-huh. pleasurable experience, and we'd love yep. to have you on again sometime. Maybe we can have that follow up to whatever you're saying about DC. I don't know, Batman, Bale, Affleck. Who knows? That was right. that was a theory back. That was a, that's an old theory. Yep, don't yeah. don't don't say anymore. Shh, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Right. Yep. <laughs>